This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk. I'm your host, Jim Cromer, and let me welcome in my co-host, Spiker Helms. What's going on, bud? Doing great. Doing great. Well, we uh, we started last week the Chasing Velocity series, uh, kind of piggybacking off our tryout series, which uh, you guys had liked so much. So we thought we'd uh, move on to the, the, the big animal in the room, which seems to... Uh, just dominate social media, and that is the the ever never-ending chase for velocity. Whether it's young, old, it doesn't seem to matter. Everybody wants to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. I'd like to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. I'm not quite sure I could do it. <laughs> but uh, but everybody wants their kid to do it. I can promise you that. Uh, they see dollar signs, and they see uh, they see trophies, and they see uh, uh, people loving them because they can do it. So the the understandability of it is there to some degree, but man, in, in the chase, we do a lot of things wrong. So we thought we would uh, would enhance it by bringing in some of the biggest influencers, some of the best training guys that really get it. Um, we're not telling you that they're all going to agree. Uh, that's what makes us great. Is it's all information. You got to research a little bit. You got to do some things. Trial and error is still a big part of this, but yet scientific data and and learning and getting smarter, the way the body works, is all part of this. So that's why we're bringing you the guys that we're doing. And this is going to be a great show. I'm really excited for this for this guest coming on. Yeah, no, I'm uh, he's a he's a I'm not I'm not going to use the term old as in he's old, but he's an old friend. I've known him for quite some time and have been impressed with him since the day I met him. Before we get to him, though, and remind everybody uh, to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. That's the website where you're going to find the podcast. Uh, it's very simple to do. Once you get there, the, the current episode will be right there. But then you can go back and listen to all the back episodes. Uh, this guest that we have on, actually, Sparker, I didn't tell you this. He's the very first podcast I ever did. No way. And we still have people listen to that show every day. It's amazing. Like every week when I get the download numbers, you know, 40, 50 people every week still listen, like new people listen to the show. It's amazing. The The very first one. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So we appreciate that greatly. That tells us we have new people finding us each week. We encourage you to do so. Great videos on there as well. YouthBaseballTalk.com. It's also the easiest way to subscribe to the show, which is free. Of course, uh, Twitter is a great way to follow us as well, at Podcast Baseball. Uh, we get a lot, you know, Twitter's, like I always say, man, people will throw some stuff up on Twitter. It's almost like your raw emotion sometimes. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but heck, that's how we learn. It's a cocktail party. Yes, that's it's really a, yeah, that's what right. it is. And then, of course, Facebook as well. Don't forget us there, Youth Baseball Talk. All we ask is that if you really enjoy the show, the best way you can help us grow is to share us with your friends who are probably involved in youth baseball as well, and that is like and share our posts, whether Twitter or Facebook. We would appreciate it. Definitely. Lineupmedia.fm, great group here. Podcasting is the wave of the future, folks. You want to listen to what you want to listen to when you want to listen to it. Just go to lineupmedia.fm. I guarantee you, if you enjoy this show, your whole world may be youth baseball. I know what that's like when you got a young one in it, but you're probably interested in other things as well. I guarantee you, with all the shows they have there, you'll find something else worth your entertainment time. They're just a great group. Well, let's move on. I'm ready. Uh, you know, obviously we had Travis Kerber from Elite out of Chicago last week. A lot of great feedback on that episode. Uh, people just in general, I think, are eager to learn. They're eager to listen, especially when it's a guy that, um, and I thought Travis did a great job last week of telling you a little bit about himself so that 
you realized he wasn't just some guy, right? That that hey, I watched some games, I know this, and 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 I know that that gets blown out of proportion as well too. But there's a lot of guys that have spent a lot of time in this to do one thing, and that is to help. And the knowledge, the knowledge bombs that they drop on us is unbelievable. I'm like, I'm I thought I knew a lot about baseball, and I knew a lot about how the body works. But it's something where when you bring in a real a guy that's specialized in, in, in body movements, ends up changing the game. Well, the guy we're going to have on today, before I say his name or even bring him in, I, I just want people to understand kind of like, you know, people are like, man, where do you, do you just meet these guys? Do you really know them? I got to actually know this guy. And what was interesting was I consider myself, I always say this, I consider myself to, that I know enough to be dangerous to some degree, right? So uh, when my son started getting to that age where he was starting to play what I would call program baseball. Um, he started training over in St. Louis, and he didn't even really at the time have anything to do with this gentleman that's coming on. But what I did was, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an observant guy. Like, I, I'm always watching and, and learning. And I saw some stuff going on in the background, and I was just amazed at what they were doing. And when I found out what they were doing, which was, you know, working on the body, working on how to throw – I thought to myself, I've never seen anything like this. I, I you know, what ha- you know, I thought you just did this or did that, and it's like, oh my God, there's so much to learn. And as I got to know the guy, I kind of became a sponge. So I want you guys to get to know him as well. He's tremendous. He's done so many great things for kids, uh, and he's not just exclusive to our little nook here in St. Louis anymore. Let's welcome in Brian DeLunas from Premier Pitching. What's going on, buddy? Hey guys, how we doing? Well, um, I hope that was a worthy intro. I don't know if it yeah, was. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, you're becoming you're 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 quickly becoming a, a go-to guy, not just here in St. Louis, as you've dedicated really now the better part of your adult life to understanding the body, understanding how it works, uh, opening your mind to, you know, what we can do to help, uh, while all the while being humble enough to say, hey, you know, it's. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a perfect thing. So I uh, thought you'd be a great guest to have on for our Chasing Velocity series. Well, I, listen, I really appreciate it. And I think you're exactly right. It, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that the more we study it, the, the more we understand that maybe we don't know. And, uh, and it's an ever-growing thing. I, you know, I don't think we ever stop learning, um, you know, of, of not only how to add velocity, certainly uh, that's the, the hot topic, but, but how to do it and try to keep guys healthy at the same time. Um, for our listeners uh, that may not be familiar with you, uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you've gotten to where you are right now. Yeah, well, absolutely. We, we run Premier Pitching Performance. Uh, it's in St. Louis, and, and we've been very fortunate to to work with some pretty high-end guys. Um, you know, we also work with your, your you know, uh, typical freshman, sophomore guys and, and help them grow. Um you know, for me personally, uh, from a coaching standpoint, I kind of started out at the high school level and then and then moved on to a junior college level and, and just, you know, liked it more and more and, and got a chance to, to go and be a volunteer and assistant at the University of Missouri and got to learn um, the whole time, you know, there. And, and then when I came back here, I got to work with uh, some really good guys in, in a really top-level program uh, locally. And... Uh, and then we just kind of moved on to, to doing it ourselves. When I, uh, the, the more and more I realized that um, this is, you know, really what I wanted to do, um, you know, attack this end of it. So it's been, you know, 15 year in, in the making type of thing. But um, like I said, every day is, is a new opportunity to learn. And uh, we, we just had a staff retreat with our guys this weekend to, to try to figure out how do we get better and, and not 
not better from a competitive standpoint in, in the in the market as much as how do we get better for our guys. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically kind of how it all took place. You know, one of the things that's always impressed me about you, and, and again, I you know I I live vicariously through my kids a little bit here is. You know, um, a lot of some of the local people that I've been fortunate enough to meet and have on, you know, my kids have uh, attended. So, you know, I'm not just, you know, spewing this out, but yet don't trust people with my kids. I mean, I've trusted you with my older son. Uh, The things you've done with him have been nothing uh, short of amazing. And and the truth is, now he's not going to be a draft pick. But, you know, what I was encouraged by when I met you, and and obviously, you know, anybody that knows Tyler knows he kind of went through some issues and it wasn't an over it wasn't an overuse thing it was that you know his body he just didn't do it right you know and, and and he had developed bad habits but the most encouraging thing and i had known you at this time for a couple of years was when i came to you you put a plan together for him and it wasn't it wasn't like this cookie cutter thing like okay here's what we have to do we have to do this this and this and i just i remember the day you said to me jim if, if we're going to do this, it's a two-year process for him. Okay, don't expect anything in six months. First thing we got to do is this. And then when we get here, we can do this. And then hopefully, if this works out, then we'll move here. It, it wasn't cookie cutter. It was really like this is what your son needs for him to be as successful as possible for him. So that was one of the most impressive things when I met you, for sure. Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of guys ask us, it's one of the biggest questions that come up is, um, you know, why do we do our assessment and, and evaluation? So each kid who comes in, we, we you know, you got to spend a little bit of time trying to get to know them, but you also got to figure out what specifically that kid needs. And, you know, that you take that all the way down to what are his goals? Um, you know, of course, if you have a senior who comes in and he's throwing 82 and he wants to, you know, he wants to be a 90 mile an hour guy, you, you've got a certain time frame that you've got to work in. But yeah, for us, man, it, it, it is. It's. It's. You know. Um, I think a lot of people. One of the biggest issues we see in this. You know. Speaking on the topic of, of chasing velocity is. I think a lot of times, like in life, a lot of people want to take the shortcut and they want results tomorrow instead of a week from tomorrow or you know a year from tomorrow. And um, you know, ultimately, we see some guys get in trouble. You know, because they're 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 doing things in a way that is not very. You know, if you have if you have limitations, typically if a guy is not throwing with the velocity that he wants to be throwing, or you know, might even be average for his age, there's a reason for that. And so, half of our battle is uh, not only for the pitcher, but a lot of times for the parents, based on the kids that we work with, is to help them understand what those reasons are, and then and then part two of that is to help them understand this is how we're going to attack it. And uh, we want to have people upfront and honest, you know, be upfront and honest with them right off the bat with that, so that they know this is what you're getting into. And like you brought up, you know, if it's a two-year plan, then it's a two-year plan. Um, doesn't necessarily guarantee results, and, and I don't think anybody can guarantee results. But at the end of the day, what we want to be able to tell people is, you know, this is this is our goal, this is our plan. You know, uh, choose to, to 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 pick it if you want, or or get on board if you want. And if you don't, we certainly understand that. And there may be other options out there better for you. But, um, yeah, I think it all comes down to what, what does each kid individually need um, for his own goals and ambitions in, in the game of baseball. And what's impressive, uh, Brian, is that you're very personable with your players. And, I mean, going through your tweets, I mean, you you do a lot of shout-outs for your players. Um, you really do a great job on trying to get them noticed. And 
it, it, it's very, very impressive, and, and you're very, very personable. So it, I, I commend you on that. It's awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it, it, you always kind of run the, the gamut. And you, you kind of walk the line of, you know, what is um, what looks to be, um, you know, too much businessy, mm-hmm. uh, too much self-promotion. And uh, I'm one of those guys that I don't do very well with self-promotion. I, I don't like it. Um, I, I think you got to try to make it about the kids as much as you possibly can. Um but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 you're there to try to help these guys move on, and and that's a big part of what we do with the assessment process. I, I'm not going to lie; we kind of learned that from Eric Cressy, who, you know, Eric's uh, pretty much a, an expert in the field, and and you know, one of the things that he was always adamant about is take the time to sit down and assess guys, because of the fact that if nothing else, they get to know you, and, and you get to know them for 30, 45 minutes before you ever get started. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect any kid to walk in and just start to do what we say just because we tell them to. Um, you, you know, I just that's a recipe for disaster. So we've got to kind of get to know the guys, and, and we want them. We want it to be an open relationship. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we obviously we try to we try to to um, you know promote those guys as much as we possibly can, um, and, and we love to you know if they've had success. I, you know, it's funny. Everybody talks about the 90-mile-an-hour guy, 95-mile-an-hour guy. Now I guess it's turning into 95-mile-an-hour. But um, one of our best stories of the of the offseason this year was a left-handed kid who came in at 72 miles an hour, and, and he wanted to make his varsity team. And, you know, he got to 82 miles an hour, which for him is a huge jump. But, you know, we had to do it the right way. And I've never seen a smile bigger on a kid's face than when he hit 82 miles an hour. And that's the best so part. I think that, it's definitely it, it's the best awesome. Part. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. I think a lot of times people fall in love with the well. If he's not a ninety mile an hour guy, why why mention him? But uh, but it is cool to see these guys. You know, when they have some success, and it, even if it just means making their high school team, um, you know, for us is is you know we're pumped as as pumped about that as we are anybody else. You know, um, when we had Travis on last week, it seemed like the word social media came up so much, and and I'm just glad Spiker brought that up now because I'm going to. I'm going to kind of touch on it earlier than we did last week, and that is, um, he's right. You're very personable. Um, not only, I mean, you do send stuff out to make people think, which I love that you do. And again, there's always something there, but you're also very complimentary of your players, and you try to bring attention to what they're doing because at the end of the day, you know, they're they're deserving. How yeah. serious? I mean, do you do you do you feel like you have to take your social media stuff very seriously, like because people are paying attention? Well, yeah, I absolutely do. I think that um, you you run a very serious risk, um, and it's a little irresponsible if I put things out there. Um, you know, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's um, a drill. Um, you know, we wrote actually a blog post, and we have not posted it yet, but we wrote a blog post on that. Uh, one of the reasons we don't put a lot of our drills out there on social media is because you run the risk of having a 15-year-old in, in you know, Texas seeing it and now just running rampant with it, thinking that, okay, if I just do this every single day, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solve my problems. And, um, and that's not the case. I mean, we know that, first of all, the drill might not even be designed for his particular needs. And second of all, it, it may be a two-day-a-week type of thing as opposed to, you know, five or six-day-a-week. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with what we do and do not post and, um, you know, as a staff, we try to keep it as positive as we possibly can. Um, you know, it, it's 
at, again, at the end of the day, it, it's what we're trying to do is help the kids as much as we possibly can, but we're also trying to keep them out of harm's way. Um, you know, with this series, what we're trying to do here, Brian, just, you know, and again, I love throwing surprises at you. What we're trying to really do is come at you from, uh, we feel like it's our responsibility with the show to, to be the voice of whether it be parents or coaches that don't know you, uh, that don't have the ability to just not, actually they do that's what's interesting about you guys they actually do have the ability to contact you guys you guys are so gracious with your time i think they just kind of feel like well i don't know them but we do right so we we're taking the responsibility of, of asking you some questions that we think if a parent had the opportunity they would want to know but before we get to those um, we're giving you know all of our uh, contributors an opportunity to just give us their quick thoughts on the topic of chasing velocity, one of the things that I, you know, definitely have heard you say numerous times, and I think this kind of leads to yours a little bit. And the reason I thought of it was, again, just looking at some of the stuff you sent out recently, you had sent something out that you felt was incredibly important, and that was forcing impossible command goals on youth high school pitchers may be the most debilitating teach to their development. I've heard you say numerous times that when you're talking about um, young kids. That, you know, like you talked about your, your own son, what would you tell him to do? I would tell him just pick it up and just throw the heck out of it, and who cares where it goes. And if he picks up a bat, just swing it. Uh, just swing it. Just swing it hard. Don't guide it. Don't do anything. So that gave me a little bit of insight to what your, your theory is to some degree. Tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, your first thoughts when you hear the words chasing velocity. Oh boy! Well, yeah. So if I so Pandora's box, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So my first thoughts on chasing velocity are, you know, if I was talking to a parent of a 15-year-old out there, um, I, I think I come to three things right away. Number one is that you can train velocity, and and and, and that you probably should. Um, you know, there's an old saying that sprinters don't become Olymp- Olympic athletes by jogging. Um, now. The problem comes in there is how do we do that? You know, how how many days a week should we be sprinting? How many days a week should we be trying to train velocity? Um, and so, my my next thought immediately comes to recovery. I, I think um, I think recovery is the biggest misunderstood um, aspect to adding velocity. Um, in the same way that you wouldn't go into a weight room and, and bench press, you know, five days a week. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that you necessarily want to go out and try to chase velocity five days a week. So there's definitely a plan in the process there. I think one of the, the best aspects about what's happening currently in St. Louis, and, and we've had some guys who have come over um, to our facilities who are with, you know, essentially in competing facilities. Um, we always have an open door policy. We always encourage and invite other people to come in because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's helping kids in the area. And so, um, you know, one of the cool things is is just the more and more information being spread out there about recovery and, and how to do it. You, you got to make sure, excuse me, you got to make sure that you're with somebody who knows how to how to train that velocity in terms of you know managing the peaks and valleys of of output and recovery. And then I, I think I think the, the elephant in the room and, and maybe the biggest point about chasing velocity is is pain. Don't ignore pain. I, it's amazing to me how many kids will come to us, and one of the first things we ask them, and, and again, you know, this is a thought that we we borrowed from somebody else, but I think one of the biggest things is guys come in, well, you know, 
my, my arm hurts and, you know, how often does it hurt and where does it hurt and all those things. So don't ignore pain. Pain is something that it, it's telling you, um, you know, it's telling you something. It, it's usually that you do need to adjust a pattern involved with the way that you throw the ball. It's not, <clears throat> I think we get into the, it's overuse, it's overuse, but it's not necessarily always overuse. It's, it's sometimes how you're throwing a baseball is, is what is causing that pain. And now we get back to, um, you know, your, your original statement about, you know, my, my seven year old or, or with youth kids is number one, first and foremost, our first goal when we have a guy come in is to try to get them to whatever natural is for them. Um, you know, if they don't have a, uh, a certain pattern that, you know, somebody likes or that is, is thought of as, as a high velocity pattern, um, you know, if it's not affecting their velocity, if it's not affecting their recovery or their pain, um, and it's certainly not affecting, you know, performance, then, then it's not an issue. We just need to, we need to figure out, uh, you know, how to get around it. So uh, I think a lot of times people instantly want to pigeonhole somebody into, you know, a kid or a pitcher into a certain look as opposed to trying to figure out how they personally are made to move or how, how you know, how their body best, best moves. So, yeah, I, I think if you're going to really start with what comes to mind with, with chasing velocity, Number one is that you can train velocity. It, it's not a, it's not a taboo thing. It's it's not a bad thing. It's it's you should train it um, because again, at the end of the day, it's it's really a floor. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of one of those things. It's velocity is not the entire equation, and I'm kind of you know going off on a on a different tangent here. But you know, velocity is not the entire equation. We know that we, we can't uh, you know we can't get lost on what we're actually trying to do here, and that's that's better ourselves as pitchers. Um, but you know, while it is only one part of the equation, I think it's probably worth more because it's generally a floor and, and without it, you don't get to get in the, the, the door. You don't, you don't get to see the rest of the equation and how that rest of the equation works if you don't have velocity at a certain age, um, at the youth level, even at the, the primary high school level, maybe not as big of a deal, but if you're looking to continue to play past high school, um, go to any perfect game event, go to any any recruiting event, what's what's the first thing you notice about the college coaches in the background? You know, they all got the velocity, the, the radar guns up. There's a reason for that. So, yeah, recovery, pain, don't ignore the pain. And then uh, and then the fact that you can't train velocity, I think, are the things that come to mind first. Well, I, you know, and again, for me, I, I listen to you talk. I listen to a lot of you guys talk. And you make so much sense that it just it, it makes me cringe that, we as and I say we, okay, because I, I I'm not gonna claim to have never felt like I I either I, how do I want to put this because I don't want to be demeaning not only to myself but it's almost like if we don't hear what we want to hear come out of your mouth or anybody's mouth we want to kind of dismiss that as oh I don't know but yet when we hear the things we want to hear you guys are experts so I don't understand why it's so hard for us as parents to listen to you or a Travis Kerber or anybody and understand that what you're doing ultimately is in the best interest of my son, but it may not be what I want to hear. Right. Right. We, we deal with that a lot at, uh, you know, especially at the 13, 14 year old, um, you know, time frame. Look, nobody wants to spend money on training or, you know, quote unquote lessons and have their kid go out and not be successful on the weekends. Um, you know, as a parent, I know I wouldn't, I would not want to go spend money on a lesson 
and then see my kid go out on the weekends and throw less strikes. So I think the most, it just comes down to feedback. I think that the, the quickest feedback for anybody um, is, it, you know, strikes are yes or no. It, it's a very simplistic response to what you're paying for in terms of lessons or, or instruction. Um, it's Again, it's one of the reasons why we have to sit down with parents and explain that this may be a one- or two-year process, um, and there's going to be some bumpy times. We, we've got a kid that we've worked with um, that is now a you know perfect game All-American and wh- whatever it is, you know, 15th in the country or something like that, and he's a Division One commit throwing 94 to 96 miles an hour. But if you would have seen that kid at 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, the average normal everyday parent would have said, there's no way this kid has a future in pitching. I think um, I did see that kid at 13 or 14. Is, is yeah, it, is know, it, is it, you yeah. Know, you got, yeah, you got to see him pepper in the backstop and, you know, couldn't get out of an inning, um, you know, pitching. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as his body developed and he never lost track of, you know, as we always say, you, you got to be kind of a little bit, be careful of not, uh, you know, don't lose sight of the forest for the trees. You know, at, at the end of the day, what do you really want out of this? And that's part of that process of sitting down with the parents and and seeing if they're a good fit. I, that's not to, you know, splash anybody who does lessons or, or, you know, does other instruction. There's tons and tons of really good guys in the St. Louis area that, that do great jobs. And it's, but, so, and it's so hard with as an instructor to really relay that message to the parents is that um, – it's a patience game. It's a long-term game. Um, I mean, example, one of the guys that we had, um, he, I saw one of his videos when he was a 15U. We still have his recruiting video from 15U. Yeah. And he couldn't even throw a strike. He, he was shaking his head now and all that, and now he's at Stanford. So it, it's, it's yep. a long-term play, and I, I truly believe that the big influencers in the space, like yourself and um, Travis that we just had on, they – it's all good intentions because um, we love what we do and it, it, and we're so passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, my man, uh, time to put you on the seat here, as we like to say. We've we've come up okay. with what we feel are four questions, and actually, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this to answer a question that I hear all the time. That I'm going to give you the chance to address everybody that has a has a specific question to something that. That you know, you're you obviously do, and you tweet it out, and I've heard a thousand people ask me something. So I'm going to give you a fifth question, a bonus question, as you would, there, Mr. Linus. All right, perfect. All right, first question: Is throwing a baseball safe, or better yet, even a good idea? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I, I did a um, I did a presentation in Kansas City about four years ago, and I actually started with that. I said, you know. What's the safest way to throw a baseball? And the and the, the room kind of looked at me, and the answer was obviously don't throw one. <laughs> um, you know, if, if we, you know, throwing a throwing a baseball is inherently you know a little bit dangerous for the arm, and um, you know throwing throwing it overhand is, anyway. And so yeah, it's um, is it a good idea? I listen. I think there's tons and tons of people out there who would. Um, you know, have friendships and, and, and people who they go to their weddings and relationships. And, and you know, it's one of those things that if, if, if your son in, in particular did not throw a baseball, um, you know, we wouldn't have this relationship. So um, I, I think throwing a baseball is relative to anything. It's, 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 it, 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 it comes down to at the end of the day, what are you really trying to get out of it? Um, 
uh, I think that we all love the game of baseball with everything we have. And, and so that, uh, you know, the throwing the baseball part of it's a little bit tough, but you know, is it dangerous? Um, not if you're throwing it, you know, 60 miles an hour and lobbing it back and forth to your seven-year-old. Um, you know, if you're throwing it 95 miles an hour, I think every mile an hour you, you throw the ball harder, it, it gets a little bit, you know, a little bit tougher. So That's an interesting take. I mean, that's... Well, and, and I remember um, when I was playing at Missouri State, Coach Gutton came up to us and he's like, it was, a, it was my senior year, he comes up and he says, hey, uh, we're going to throw 10 minutes. And all of us looked at each other like, are you serious? And then we re- quickly realized that, oh, if we just lob it back and forth, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I remember the old story of Johnny saying, I think it was, with, with Tom Glavin. And, you know, Tom Glavin being a kid from Boston and, and being a hockey guy, and he gets down there and all of a sudden he's throwing, you know, seven days a week and, and bullpenning every other day. And, and um you know, next thing you know, his arms in throbbing pain, and and you know, I think I think it was Johnny Stain who took him out and and just had him kept throwing and kept throwing and kept throwing. <laughs> it, it, you know, and, and and I think it was the story was maybe by day seven or day eight he finally had started to feel good again. But I'm not certainly not encouraging anybody to go out and throw through pain. That's not the point of the story. But um, but yeah, I think the idea is a lot of times that. You know, maybe we don't throw enough, and, and that brings up the greater point of that you can and absolutely should condition your arm to throw. Um, just because it's inherently dangerous, um, you know, doesn't doesn't mean that we can't condition it to handle that stress a little bit better. Yeah, you, you eerily sound like, which to this day is still one of the most popular episodes we've ever ever done. Leo Mazzoni, when, when I had Leo on, yeah, you know, yeah. just him saying that. You know, a couple of those guys on that staff looked at him like he was nuts when he said, "We're going to throw more." And they were like, and he brought up Johnny saying too that that was his guy, that was who, you know, he was influenced by. So that's interesting. Question two: yeah. Can you tell if your kid is prone to injury from pitching? Well, me personally, not as well as 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 let's say a licensed PT uh, or or somebody who goes through. Um, you know, some training and how to evaluate the body. I think one of the biggest things that we see is I've gotten better and better at it, but I think one of the biggest things we see is we just essentially watch a guy throw and take some video of him and look for when his lead hit turns off and does he have the ability. The ability to decelerate the baseball covers up a lot of warts. And so what I mean by that is you can do a lot of things bad uh, we had a kid who, and again, I'll, I'll save his name, but we had a kid who, you know, you can do the background on it, threw 100 miles an hour in the Futures game last year. and uh, The Bandy commit, be, right? Uh, actually, he is, uh, he's in AAA right now oh, okay. and, and should, be, um, should, be able to, uh, should be able to go to the big league. We're hoping he ends up at the, the big league level in the back of the bullpen, but, um, but we had him, and, and you know, honestly, if you just look at how he moves away from the rubber, if you look at the arm action, he's a guy that really, really made, made me rethink a lot of, uh, of things that I knew about pitching because almost everything he did was what you would consider um, you know, poor if you did a video evaluation. And, um, but what he did really, really well is he, you know, the mobility in the front hip and, and the ability to, uh, to decelerate the ball was outstanding. And, and stability in that front leg was outstanding. So not only did that allow him to throw the ball hard, but it allowed him to, to stay safe and, and, and you know injury free for the most part. But um, there are certainly some things, but you just got to make make sure. I, I always use this phrase, and it's from Lance Wheeler. Used the the term, 
you got to be careful not to be a beauty contestant judge. you, you got to be careful not to look at a kid and say, oh, he does this, so that's bad. Um, because, again, it, it comes down to how each one of our bodies are made. And then number two, how do we move with, with those um, capabilities that our bodies allow us to? Um, the bodies can be made really, really well, but we, we move poorly or we kind of have that coached out of us, and we're not going to necessarily be able to stay healthy. Um, in the same way, a lot of kids will adapt based on how their bodies are made. Um, but, yeah, I, you just have to kind of be careful not to not to, to fall in love with the, you know, well, he does this, so he's going to get injured, um, because that may be how he naturally is made to move. Okay, next question. Should I be worried if my kid can't throw hard? Well, again, I think it comes down to where's he at. I think that's different if you're talking about a 10- or 12-year-old or if you're talking about a 16- or 17-year-old who wants to go to play college. Um, and I think it should be there's, – there's different, you know, different things involved. I, it's such a such – a, there's so many different ways to go with that, guys, but – you know, again, if you're talking about size and weight, um, we have a 14-year-old kid that we work with right now that, you know, is the slowest thrower on his team. But at the end of the day, how he moves, how he throws, how he works, uh, and then, you know, plus genetics help you look at dad and you see his size and, and what's coming down the pike. Um, I would not be surprised if this kid in, in four years ends up being one of the best kids coming out of the, out of the area. But right now at 14... He's, uh, you know, he may not even pitch for his team because he's one of the slowest throwers on his team. So, yeah, it, it's, you know, I don't think you should be worried if your kid's not throwing hard enough. But, again, just kind of go back to that fact that you can train velocity and you probably should. Um, it's going to come down to what his body's capable of and, and, you know, whatever that individual assessment kind of says on, on, you know, what his plan needs to be. Brian, can you tell if someone can throw hard or, or if they're never going to throw hard? It's kind of like uh, dunking. Can you, can someone say, oh, that person's never going to dunk a basketball? Or do you, is, is there a limitation on that? Or do you see that um, it's possibility for everyone? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who says I think everybody's capable of throwing 90 miles an hour. I've heard some other people say that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I but I, I don't. One thing I've learned in this is that I can't just look at a guy, even with his assessment, um, you know, and, and find out what that total range of motion is in the shoulder, maybe how much static external rotation he has, those kind of things. Um, I, I don't want to say uh, ever that hey, you're pigeonholed here and, and you can't, you're not going to be hard thrower, so you know, pick up the golf clubs. You know, I just. I, I worked with a guy who was in AAA uh, a couple years ago, and he had the lowest static external rotation that we've ever seen. He was a 92 to 94 mile an hour guy. Um, again, I think the body will adjust and adapt if we let it. If we don't, and we try to, you know, try to force everybody into throwing a certain way or pitching a certain way, then then you're going to get into trouble. Now you're going to get into that, you know, 60 20 20 rule where. You know, 20% of guys are going to improve, 60% are going to stay the same, and 20% are going to go backwards. And that's what you always have to avoid. But, yeah, I mean, as far as just looking at a guy and saying yes or no, I think that's too naive in terms of um, what the human body and, and just the human spirit, more and more importantly, is capable of. I, it's the one thing I'll never tell guys is, hey, you can't do it, because as soon as I do, they'll prove you wrong. <laughs> that's a great thing, <laughs> that's, though, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
And again, I think that's what we base a lot of, of what we do off of is, you know, we'd be honest with kids. I, I had a great, real quick, great story. And I had a kid who came in and he was already a freshman at University of Missouri and, um, you know, um, was throwing, topping out as a freshman at the University of Missouri, was topping out about 68 miles an hour. Holy smokes. And he came, yeah, yeah. There were some things going on there. I, I, you know, to say he didn't get it is putting it lightly. But awesome kid. We sat down and I said, you know, listen, what do you really want out of this? And he says, what? You know, I'd like to pitch at University of Missouri. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, I, and it wasn't because, you know, it, it just because of the time frame that he had allowed and because of where his current body was and, you know, where his current intent was. It's just too much of a mountain to climb to be able to get it done within a year, probably, or, or even two years. So he said, okay. What I really want to do is I want to be able to pitch for the club team. And I said, fantastic. That we can probably work at. You're, you keep in mind, you're still going to have to put on probably 10 to 15 miles of velocity just to be able to pitch for that club team. And, you know, he did it. He worked at it. He worked his butt off. And he ended up being a 80 to 82-mile-an-hour guy, pitched for the club team, made the team. And, you know, that guy's going to form relationships for the rest of his life that he's going to remember just because of the fact that uh, – that he put in the work. But again, that's, that's where it comes down to what is each guy's goal. All right. Last question. Well, not the last, cause I got a bonus for you, but uh, I get the last, bonus, yeah. yeah, last of the four, <laughs> is there a breaking point for my kid's arm? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I don't know if I can sit here and tell you exactly where it is, but yeah, there's going to be a breaking point. And typically, typically it's going to revolve around, um, you know, what kind of rest and recovery he has. I think one of the biggest issues we have is are seeing guys try to push through that rest and recovery threshold, um, you know, trying to get the velocity too too fast or, or doing too much, if you will. So, yeah, at some point, um, you know, if, if we keep going, I, I always use the phrase, <clears throat> even to guys, if I see them doing something dumb or, or something they maybe shouldn't be doing in the, in the you know, on the turf or in the weight room out, out I'll use the phrase a lot. You're trying to put a fire out with gasoline. You have good intentions. It's a liquid. I get it. But but basically what you're trying to do is see how fast you can you can hurt your arm. So there's there's a breaking point, but again it has a lot to do with uh, you know, with the recovery aspect and, and, and you know, how do we manage those peaks and valleys. All right, great stuff. You ready for the bonus question? I am, yeah. I, I, I'm going to find it hard to believe that you either haven't had this discussion or answered this question within the last week. Uh, I'm, I, I would be shocked if you didn't tell me, Jim, I, I have to explain this all the time. I hear this. I hear it from coaches. I hear it from parents. I hear it from kids. I hear it from everybody. What? Because you post these videos, and, and believe me, my son's as ate up with it as anybody. This is the question. Ready? What? Yep. What in the world does running and throwing a ball into a net have to do with pitching? Yeah, well, you know, it, it has to do with conditioning the arm. And honestly, part of it has to do with conditioning the mind. I'll, I'll leave up the conditioning the arm part to a guy, to some guys who are a lot smarter than I am. I will tell you that we've read a lot uh, on the research side um, and, and tried to determine, you know, how much um, – uh, same thing. I, you know, I think as instructors and coaches, you know, we're always trying to learn and figure that out. And so it, it, for the same reason that parents or, or you guys may ask is the same reason that we'll try to figure out and, and find out. Um, but, but, but there is a lot of aspect to training the arm to, to move fast. Um, you know, you, you can really train internal rotation speed. You can train uh, elbow extension speed. 
Uh, you can certainly train directional force, but I will also say there's a huge part of, of training the mind. And um, I've seen kids who never thought certain plateaus were capable. And, and if we can get them to move, um, you know, whether it's running and, and throwing a ball, um, you know, blending it into, um, into, you know, taking a couple shuffles and throwing a ball and then blending it, taking a step and throwing a ball, and then eventually blending it to just picking up the foot, moving down the mound and throwing a ball. But it has to start somewhere. And I, I equate it a lot, honestly, to, um, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you know, you can say, well, I, you know, you got to get on the mound and find out where you're starting at. And, and then you want to be able to see if you're trying to lose weight, you want to be able to see little, you know, gains and, and progressions as you go. Well, I think it's the same thing with, with running and throwing a ball. We, we, um, you know, I would say that for the most part, we don't use it as much as we, we once did. And we try to get guys, as long as they're, you know, within certain ranges um, in terms of their top end velocity, we'll, we'll probably try to start them with maybe like a step behind shuffle uh, or something similar. Uh, we don't have as many guys that, you know, like you'll see on the videos that take the full on, you know, running sprint and throw. Um, but again, it, it does serve a purpose, obviously, and it, and it does serve that purpose in terms of, um, you know, conditioning the arm, but also conditioning the mind. So, yeah, we, we get that quite a bit. We get it from a lot of coaches. I, I, I completely understand, you know, a lot of coaches will say, uh, you know, well, you know, get him on the mound and let's see where he is. And, and I certainly understand that. We, we've got a 90-mile-an-hour club for pull-downs. Um, we've got a 90-mile-an-hour club for, for guys on the mound. Um, and it's not to, 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 you know, sell the point that velocity means everything. That's certainly not what we're trying to say. But it does give those guys something to shoot for. And it's always amazing to me that I always underestimate the power of that because uh, we'll have kids at, at 15, 16 years old, all I want to do is be able to get my, my, my name up there, you know, be able to sign that wall with all those other guys who have signed that wall. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing. But, again, I'll leave the, the scientific side of it to the, to the guys who have maybe, you know, posted some articles or posted some, um, you know, some research on it. Um, but it, it does certainly serve a point and, 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 you know, to condition the arm and, and to condition the mind and, and just prove to some guys that they can push past you know, some, some certain thresholds. Well, I, you know, I'm, I like it again. I, for all the reasons you said, I mean, if anybody's ever asked me about it, I'd say, look, I'm no expert, but to me, it's about intent. That's what it looks yeah. like to me. It's like that, you know, he's trying, not he, not you and not you. I mean, it's, it's not like you're the only one doing this. My point is it, it looks like intent to me. Like, listen, if you want to throw the ball hard, you have to throw it hard. I mean, it, you know, there, there, you're not just, you know, I, I love the term free and easy, right? Well, he's free and easy. Well, yeah, he's free and easy, but believe me, he is trying to throw that thing. It's getting out of the comfort yeah. zone. That's what I see. Whenever I see those videos, I think um, getting out of the comfort zone. And I'm a guy that's more on the hitting side. So when I do drills on the hitting side, I think more of, okay, what's, what's going to be the most uncomfortable situation that still has a, a very big purpose behind it? So I, I I like it. I like it. Well, and, you know, Spiker, it brings up a great point is on the hitting side, do you guys ever do drills where, you know, it's, hey, we're, we're going to take these five swings and just swing as hard as we possibly can. Yeah, exactly. I think exactly. everybody's done exactly. it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for you feel. Know, and, just for feel, right? Like, hey, yeah. just feel what it's like to do this violently. Right. 
And I think, no, I agree, and, and I feel like if you're in your comfort zone, you're never growing. You're you're content with where it is, and and you don't test what you're able to do. Like feel goofy, do do something that's completely out of the norm. Because more than likely, if you have an instructor that that is um, has good intentions, he's gonna tell you like, ah, we probably should back that down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We so one of the things we do is a is is a deload week, and it, you know, anytime when we're monitoring guys. <clears throat> velocity again you hear sometimes where people say well why do you have radar guns and radar guns are the, the devil and you know but for <laughs> you know for us again i think it's 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 trying to close that that feedback loop a little bit and you know we use it um not only as a teaching tool and as a tool to um you know to, to strive to hit goals but you also use it for feedback in terms of where a kid is and so anytime if you've got a guy who's throwing let's say you know 85 86 and all of a sudden, he's in that 82, 83 range. Well, a lot of times, we'll just deload them for a week, let them get out of that, um, let them kind of forget about some things instead of trying to throw harder. Because you always run the risk of guys when they, you know, you've always said, well, man, he's trying to throw harder. He's trying, you know, he's, he's overthrowing. Well, an easy way to kind of get around that is to have a deload week, take them off of that, and then, you know, get them back in. And a lot of times, they just need that little fresh uptick, and, and, and they see a little spike in velo. So it's not about just what that number is, but it's about how are they moving and how are they learning to move. And, and you're exactly right. Get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, you know, you go back to the thing. Sprinters don't become Olympic athletes by, by jogging. So you've got to be able to train it, and you've got to be able to say, this is how hard I can throw a ball. This is what it feels like. I, Another real quick short story, but I had a kid who came in, and, and it was kind of the same thing. He was throwing about 65 miles an hour as a high school senior. Um, kid was maybe 5'6", five, 5'7", five, um, and he weighed about 145 pounds. And, and he's a high school senior. So I, he said, I want to throw hard. Uh, I, want, you know, I want velocity. And I said, well, okay, what, have you, what has your instructor been telling you? He said, well, just hold, you know, keep holding on. You're, you're going you know, to grow. It'll come as you grow. And I said, well, you're, you're 17 years old. You're a senior in high school. How long are you going to hold on, buddy? <laughs> you know, I mean, so that, that's kind of the thing is, yeah. like, he had never tried to throw hard. He just was told, and he felt like if he just grew, that the velocity would come. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you, you've got you've to be able to go out and train and try to figure out where you are and see if you can improve that. Yeah, I think the the legendary guy is David Price, doesn't he? Typically, when he gives yeah, speeches, I, I doesn't throw he? Hard al- because I throw hard. Yeah, I throw hard because I always throw hard. I mean, you know. So, <laughs> hey, Brian, this was great. I really appreciate you. I mean, you're such a great resource. Um, you've had such a big impact on my son's life. Um, you know, I, I'll never be able to thank you for the things you've done for him personally. It, it was more than you know, and I, I say this all the time. It, it was more than baseball. I mean, you helped him yeah. learn how to work. You helped him become a man, become responsible, and. I don't think we give that enough credit either. I know this is a, a this is a show about chasing velocity, but there's a lot of good people out there like yourself that are doing a lot of good things for kids, and it's not just what's going on in the field. So for that, I personally thank you for coming on the show today. I know Spiker and I thank you for your wisdom and, and your willingness to share. Uh, tell our listeners that are you know that are definitely interested now in learning more about Brian Delunas. What's the best way for them to to, to learn more about you guys? Yeah, I, I think probably the easiest way is, is the old social media, um, Twitter. Um, you can find us on, on Twitter at P3STL. Um, Instagram, to be honest with you guys, I don't even know what it is. I'm, I'm sure it's P3STL as well. Uh, I think there's probably a link to it. You'll find it if you go to the Twitter site. Um, you know, if you want info, um, information, more information on any of our programs, we 
we certainly work in-house with a lot of kids, but we also do a remote program. We've got guys all throughout the country that, that train with us, um, you know, where they can send their video of their assessment in, and, and then we can uh, uh, take that and, and program for them based on it. And, and, you know, we stay in contact once a week, once every two weeks. So if somebody's interested on the, on the remote side or in in-house training as well, you can always contact us at info at P3, the number three, uh, com, and that's the best way to, to get in touch with us. Well, that's great stuff, man. I appreciate you doing this, taking the time, all you guys that do this. Like I said, you're so gracious with your time, and like I said, I'll, I don't know that I'll ever be able to thank you for what you did for my own son, but uh, I guess this is my chance to say thank you. Oh, absolutely, I, and, and I thank you guys. I, You know, it's it's for what you're doing, and, and again, I, you know, I always think about I wish I could just uh, – talk to parents about about these different subjects and you know host something and unfortunately a lot of people it's a lot easier to uh to, to get onto a you know a podcast and it take what it does is it takes somebody to get out there and do it and you guys are doing it which is awesome so I, I i appreciate you guys having me on first of all and and again secondly I, I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing fighting the good fight and trying to get as much info out there to parents and, and coaches and players as, as possible and um, that Instagram handle for everyone, I, I just pulled it up. It's P3 underscore STL. So give him a follow. He has some really really good content out there. There's your man doing the work awesome. for you, Brian. You like awesome. that? Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, Brian, thank you. Again, I appreciate it. You know, you're, you can, if you ever get the urge, like my good friend, Darren Hendrickson from St. Louis University, every now and again when he sees something, he'll text me and say, i got to come on your show. Something's driving me crazy. If you ever feel the yeah. need, Brian, you just let me know. You're more than welcome. Awesome. I will do. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, take care. That's Brian DeLunis with Premier Pitching out of St. Louis. Um, such a great uh, you know, mind to have. Uh, it's so impressive. Very impressive in person, too, as a, as a, as a guy that, that, that makes a big difference. You know, it's funny. I, I was dying to ask him about – I've been asked about the throwing the ball into the net. Like, you know, people say – they'll be like, look, that's great. I saw some kid throw a ball 90 miles an hour. I don't know what that has to do with pitching. I'm like, well, you know – Again, I'm glad he answered the questions, and it's great. But, but also the radar gun he brought that up, which is always an, an, an interesting topic because it's getting blamed a lot. And he's right. It is looked at the devil. But, again, it's very simple. It's a tool, just like anything else, right? And, I, and he brought it up, and I'll say this. So if I lose weight, right, mm. what, how do I know if I'm losing weight? Well, one, visually, yes. Is that going to be good enough for me, you, or anybody? Or are we going to want to get on a scale and get the exact number? I mean, the confidence get, grows as you get sure. on that scale. So, okay, so visually, I can tell my son's throwing harder. Naturally, okay, how much harder? I mean, that's that's what it is now. People can say, again, and what's the series? Chasing velocity. Yep. Maybe they are. Maybe they're chasing a number on a gun. Maybe they're doing things to their body they shouldn't be doing. But guess what? They absolutely are. But one thing he did he did point out was a holistic approach. And he and Knowing Brian from a far away, and I, and I know him from an online standpoint, an online relationship, is that he's very structured. And when he when he has his guys, he structures them out. And he and he mentioned that in in the interview. Uh, uh, yeah, to the point of not being reckless and careless, and sharing things that he knows some people may take and run with and do incorrectly. You know, it's like, hey, I can tell you kind of how to do something, but you better let me show you. You know, really, to some to some degree, there's yeah. there's part of that. So, great stuff. We hope you're enjoying the these series. We've got so much more to bring you uh, when it comes to that. But uh, you know, we we want to make sure that we we stay with the core of the show as always. And again, thanks to the Rope Trainer, the RopeTrainer.com, Earl Perrin, John Smolch, Chris Vernon, as John Smoltz always says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. I've said it once. You've seen Jaeger bands and bullpens all across America. Uh, you're going to see uh, the rope. 
all over because it is changing the way we do this. I uh, won't we'll, uh, just talk to Chris Verna. We're going to have him mm-hmm. uh, very shortly so that he can release some of the scientific data that I'm they had the test from through. I am as well, as he's obviously one of the best trainers in the country. He's yeah. worked with, you know, Smoltz, Randy Moss, all the people, the body movement. It, it, that's what these guys have become. They're kinesiology guys. So um, that's what we need more of. We need to understand how our body works so that we know what our limitations are and aren't. So uh, great stuff as always. Uh, and now it is time to go to Justin Stone with his EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Justin uh, comes to you each and every week out of Chicago, and I can't thank him, thank him enough for doing it. I know you guys look forward to it. And, again, I encourage you to check out EliteBaseball.tv. Justin, take it away. Thanks, Jim. This is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with the tip of the week. Last week, I was fortunate enough to spend a week at Cubs Spring Training in Mesa, Arizona. And while I was there, I thought and made some notes of things that I think our listeners would be interested in from the coaching perspective. Now, my only previous experience at Spring Training with a professional organization was 2005 to 2008 with the Chicago White Sox. So I had an idea in my mind what this was going to look and feel like. And when I went into the Cubs spring training, it was a complete 180 from what I expected and what I was used to in a big league atmosphere. And the first reason was the, there was still a euphoria, of course, of the Cubs winning the World Series. So everybody was in a jovial mood and a good mood about coming to the park every day. But you hear big leaguers talk about at times that how spring training can tend to drag on and they're long days and they're, you're just ready to get to the season, and it kind of becomes a drag at times. And I didn't get that feeling whatsoever. And maybe because the Cubs are younger, but they were hungry, and the speed of practice was different than I'd ever seen at a previous spring training that I'd worked at or seen from the outside. Players played hard, and players played fast. And I had the, the fortunate ability to go from every different field and every different level. I went from rookie ball, working with hitters and looking at hitters. I went to A ball, low A double A, triple A, and I'd go up to the big league field. And when you're a young guy and the big leaguers were out there before the minor league camp started, when you're a young guy in minor league camp and you look out on a field and you see Addison Russell diving in infield practice and going at game speed in March and spring training, and I'm an 18 to 20 year old kid, you know, I'm thinking I probably better go hard too. So when you think about that and you have organizations maybe in a travel program or you're coaching multiple teams or you're within a program that has multiple teams, Use your older players to set an example for your younger players. Watch guys go hard because that can set the tempo for the rest of your players in practice. The other thing that I liked about it is something we've mentioned on this podcast before, the structure of practice. They hit a lot of different things in short time span and kept players' attention span and tempo of practice very high. There was no downtime within the organization of this practice, and the coaches would get there from 4.30 in the morning, meet till 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, about attentively detailing out what every minute was going to be in this practice structure so there was no downtime for the player. And this is valuable because if you want players to play at a fast tempo and keep practice speed intense, then you need to keep hitting things over and over again in short blocks where players don't have time to relax. Coach is looking at his sheet for the day. What are we doing next? And that 30 seconds or one minute it took a coach to look at a sheet and transfer between drills, you're already slowing your players down and losing their attention span, especially your own players. If you're talking about seven, 10, 12 year old, even high school guys, we wanna keep them moving with the next thing. The more organized you are in practice, the more you're gonna keep your practices at a very high tempo. Attention spans stay better, you get more out of it. 
The next thing I saw, I spent a lot of time with the infield coordinator for the Cubs that was just outstanding. And not only was he detailed in the organization of practice, but he was detailed in what he was teaching. And sometimes our players get very complacent in going over uh, drills that they've been doing since they were eight or nine years of age and are still doing them when they're 13 or 14 and think, I'm beyond this. I'm better than this drill. It was neat to see Cubs middle infielders on two knees working their hands out in front of them, working basic step-catch fundamentals and trying to be short in their exchange and short in their break. Things that we do with nine, 10, and 11-year-old players, it's still not too good for the professionals. The difference is, is the attention to detail that they put in it. They practice very simple things with an extreme eye for detail and care. So no matter what it is we're practicing in baseball, the game doesn't change from when we're eight to when we're 28. The attention to detail gets much larger as we get in a higher level of baseball or we get older. So that's something that we can bring to all of our levels of coaching. It's not monotonous if we keep a keen eye to detail because there's always something that we can get better at. Whether it's from our swing fundamentals off of a tee or basic ground ball play, there's always something that I could be focused on to do a little better, do a little faster, and that keeps me ingrained with my concentration and practice about a particular skill. I thought the Cubs were just outstanding at drilling the most minute of details within very simple drills. Finally, communication. 7.30 in the morning, they're doing pop fly drills. They have the same lines of communication across what they're doing with all their players. For instance, in this fly ball drill, I got it, was said between the outfielders and the infielders. Infielders would wave their arms to make sure they were calling off an outfielder if they wanted a ball. And in those uh, communication balls where we have players that could potentially have a collision, they always wanted the outfielder to go low and the infielders stay up high. So. Everybody was on the same page of what they were doing, but the most important piece is everybody was talking. And I tweeted this out, if you guys follow me, at Elite Baseball, Elite underscore Baseball on Twitter. If you saw some of the things I was tweeting, these are pro adult athletes doing something that we ask our seven and eight year olds to do. And then at some level, at 10 to 13 to 15 year old baseball, it becomes too cool to do. I'm not sure when it became too cool to communicate. I'm not sure when it became too cool at the amateur level to practice hard, play hard, because the big leaguers do it too. And that's the thing that impressed me most. They played hard, they had their uniforms dirty, they practiced at an intense speed, more so than I've ever seen at the professional level. They communicate, and you know what they were doing? They were having fun. It was the most fun atmosphere I'd ever seen with professional athletes. They, you can tell when they came inside the clubhouse each day, they truly enjoyed being at the park. Why can't we create that for our kids? Create an atmosphere that the kids are having fun, it keeps the practice tempo higher, and they're gonna learn more because of it. So take something right here that we got from the professionals, had a great week of getting to spend some time with those pro guys. And over the next coming weeks, we have some other interesting things I'll be able to bring to you is we're gonna have a European flair as I go over and train the British national team. So I hope to bring some stuff back to you with that as well. Until next time, this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Good stuff as always from Justin, and we do appreciate EliteBaseball.tv as their continued support of our program has, has, has been very instrumental in the growth. And again, I know people look forward to it as he's such an amazing instructor. Uh, another guy that I think uh, very highly of, and, and you know, you can always just look at where you're, 
who you're trusting your kids with. You obviously think a lot of them, and, and Rick Strickland's been great to me and my family. I know he's helped a tremendous amount of kids from our area and outside the area with their pursuit of their dreams. Uh, something that's become very popular is the Ask Rick segment, which uh, which Rick does thanks to Blast Motion. Uh, I, I love the opportunity for people to ask a guy that's been, you know, the the ups and downs of program baseball and minor league baseball and scouting and, and helping kids with colleges and just trying to help a kid get better. It's always great to have that resource. So let's uh, let's go to Rick Strickland now for the Ask Rick segment brought to you by Blast Motion. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me again on the show again this week. As usual, I'm always excited to come into the show and ask answer questions that the listeners may have. And this week's question was um, – from a parent that asked, my son has a lot of strength gains by working out over the winter, and they were worried about him losing strength during the season. They had heard that lifting during the season is a no-no. Your thoughts? Well, strength is an extremely important uh, component to it, but I think a lot of times we look at strength from a, from the standpoint of uh, you know how it's going to look for production on the field. We actually look at it differently. We look at it for measuring whether or not a person is losing strength, it can be dangerous for them as far as causing injuries. So what needs to happen throughout the season, that needs to have whether or not you're working on uh, adding, let me make this clearly, you don't need to necessarily be working on adding strength during the course of the season, but your strength program should shift from a gain component to a main, maintain component. What I mean by that, you should be maintaining your strength and not losing it. I think a lot of people want to go in blindly and just lift, 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 lift. And from a baseball perspective, flexibility is probably, I won't say, it's probably more important than the actual strength that you have uh, because that's where the power and the speed actually comes from, the ability to be able to stretch your body and to create space and be able to create uh, the, the, the speeds that way, not necessarily by going in and, and tearing up muscle tissue by trying to lift the world from that standpoint. But what needs to happen uh, for people who have done a lot of work over the wintertime and adding adding is you need to have a benchmark of where you are at the beginning of that season and try to maintain that same level throughout the course of the, course of the year. We do stuff like grip strength tests, vertical jump tests, things of that nature to kind of give us some indication as to whether or not a guy might be losing power and explosiveness and speed and things of that nature and then maybe adjusting the, uh, the program accordingly that way. So is lifting during the season a no-no? No. You need to be maintaining. And if that involves lifting weights, then that's fine. But definitely we don't want to get to the point where we can't lift our body weight and do things of that nature. So uh, athletes do need to be doing things in the weight room and in the, from the strength component throughout the course of a long season to be able to maintain their strength and, and functionality that way. So I hope I'm able to answer the question to that parent who had that question about strength gains and working out. Uh, during the winter, I would encourage guys to continue their workout program that just needs to be modified for what they're doing inside the season. So, uh, Jim, as usual, I'm always excited to, to be on the show. Uh, keep the questions coming, folks. The questions every week get, get better and better, uh, and I'm happy to, to answer any questions you have. Thanks again, again, Jim. I'll see you again next week. Good stuff, as always, from my man. Love him. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you in the Ask Rick segment. It means a lot to our listeners. I know they they just enjoy the opportunity to talk to to some of the guys out there that are doing it day in and day out. 
part two in the book, Spiker. I'm enjoying this so there far. I'm is. learning a lot. Oh, tons. You know? Absolutely tons. Again, just enough to be dangerous, right? I know. <laughs> no, we hope you guys are enjoying it, too. And don't forget, uh, youthbaseballtalk.com is our website. Check it out. Check out the videos. If it, it, More importantly, it's the easiest way to subscribe to the show, which is free. Uh, the back episodes are there for your for your listening as well. They've had some great guests, everything from you know, the big leaguers, Yadier Molina, Benji Molina, Mike Matheny, to all the great instructors, Tewksbury, Matt Lyle, Troy Silva. We've had some of the greats on for sure. I know I'm forgetting, forgetting a, a numerous amount. Uh, but you know what? I, we enjoy bringing you the show. Uh, youthbaseballtalk.com is the website. At Podcast Baseball on Twitter. Uh, Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook. We love your guys' engagement. Your sharing the show is what's helping us grow. So so thank you, of course. And to my man, Spiker, they follow you where? Yep. You can go on Facebook, Tournament Guy. Just type that in the search bar. Also, you can go to Twitter, at Tourney Guy. Got some great um, videos. Um, we like we like to make have some fun with that so go ahead and give us a follow like our facebook page and yeah yeah no it's been good man i'm, I'm learning a lot I'm, so we got more to go here as we try to keep bringing you guys this information and uh you know again always looking for your guys recommendations on on topic ideas for the show because we do the show for you and again we're just the highway to information uh encouraging you guys to always keep learning of course yep and not just the podcast um, alone we're going to start putting out more content on the facebook page um so go ahead give it a like and um tell give us your feedback because um we love this game and we're very passionate about it and um, we just want to make sure that you guys are getting the right information yeah the show's done for you by guys just like you so uh, we definitely enjoy it but for my co-host spiker helms for lineupmedia.fm i'm your host jim cromer and we will see you next week Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.